Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Dr. Harry Caritas is an emergency physician, medical toxicologist, and medical director who understands the issues that physicians face every day. For years, he struggled with keeping things balanced while growing at work and thriving at home, and he realized he was beginning to experience burnout. Through his struggle, he was able to create habits that focused on reaching personal and professional goals. He is a writer and a national speaker who has a passion for physician wellness and now helps overwhelmed physician residents and medical students to live a life focused on balance. He is also a podcaster and has a podcast called Medicine Revived. Hi, Harry. It's good to have you here today. How are you? I'm well. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So you are, you work, you and I do similar things and have similar interests. So I think this is going to be a really good conversation, but I'm curious to know when the first time or the most obvious time that you've dealt with imposter syndrome has been. Sure. So there are several, several, but I think probably one that most stands out for me is uh, several years ago. Um, and this is kind of my road where I started thinking about imposter syndrome and started thinking about a lot about uh, burnout and physician burnout. Um, several years ago, um, I'm an emergency physician and um, I was working in the morning uh, by myself, single covered, which is typical for many community emergency physicians. And it was just a uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically busy morning. You know, for, I started my shift at 6A. And by 7A, I had seen probably around six, seven patients, which is a pretty good, pretty good clip uh, for uh, at least, again, a, a small community ED. And then right around 7 o'clock, all I can see is I can see my, my chargers just running back, um, running back from triage area with this, with this uh, two-month-old who was blue who was blue and I could see it even from 20 feet away, this baby was blue. So uh, the great thing is in emergency medicine, it's, it is really a, a team sport as they say. And we got, you know, got to the, to the business of trying to resuscitate the child. Uh, but really after about an hour or so, uh, we just weren't, we just weren't able to resuscitate the child. That, that child unfortunately died. Um, and that really, that really um, struck a chord with me. Now being in emergency medicine, we've been through, um, many pediatric deaths, unfortunately, but that one really kind of struck me uh, because I sat back to, I went back and sat down on my computer screen at my workstation. And I saw that um, eight patients had signed in by the time that we started the resuscitation till the end of it. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, what, what's going on here? How, how am I a competent, a strong emergency physician where I'm struggling with this case right now? And rightfully so. I didn't even have a chance to, to grieve with, uh, with the mother. I didn't have a chance to grieve with my nurse. I didn't even have a chance just to sit with my own thoughts. My next thought was, you know, to get onto the next patient, get back to the, you know, the work of being an emergency physician. And that really was a, a really a turning event for me where I really started thinking, what is it that I'm really doing? And what am I actually here for? And that's kind of a lot of really what started my work. Uh, but that was really a, a case that I remember very, very clearly uh, and I hope to always remember because it kind of keeps me grounded and that this was a chance for me to see like something's going on here. And I wanted to pursue that a little bit further. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that I think so many physicians can relate to a, a scenario like that where 
you kind of realize that the humanity that we all have and the emotions are kind of not welcome (laughs) in the job. And if we're not careful and recognize those opportunities to change our lives, then it can be like, you go, you go down the road uh, and then you get resentment and then you, you know, lose your connection with your patients. And um, so it's, it's a really, it's a profound thing to be grateful for, you know, that in those moments that we're allowed to grieve and that's, it's, we should. And, it, and it's kind of, and it's kind of almost weird in that you just said it perfectly. Then we start having these, you know, these thoughts in our minds, which makes it much further the problem, which furthers the, the, this, this thought in your head that, Oh my God, should I be doing this? Am I competent to do this? Should I, yeah. am I strong enough to do this? And that, that's what plagues many of us. And, and I'm just so grateful that you have a platform that really kind of shines a light on it. I, it's, been, it's been super helpful for me. And I think the best thing that has come out of it, just in my own perspective, is this recognition that everyone has in their, in their brains somewhere this concern that they're not enough. We all have that. It's part of the human condition and it certainly will manifest in different ways. But just having the awareness that everyone has that worry somehow, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? And then really questioning that for art, like individually and saying, what does enough even mean to me? And that's going to be different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And part of it's probably due to our trading as well. Yeah. You know, thankfully it's changing, but it's, you know, it's not changing, I think, as quick as we needed to, but part of it is training. I mean, you for sure, you, you're in a, in a surgical specialty and you've probably seen it uh, quite a bit in, in the world of surgery. I remember, you know, I was going through my surgery rotations. Um, it, that is, uh, you know, this, this sense of this constant criticism perhaps is that you're not doing enough, you're not you know, you're not good enough. And that's, that's ingrained in you from a very early age in training. And again, shining a light on it is probably the mo- one of the most important things that we can do is that's, that's affecting us down the road. And, and yeah. I think, uh, yeah. And it just, it just, we just need a better way. You know, this, this way hasn't been working. We need a better way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in that moment where you realize like something has to change, I don't want to go you know, feel, have this feeling of going back to my workstation and having to jump right back in. Like, what was the next thing that happened for you that made the difference in your life as you live it today? For sure. So exactly that. So what happened is I just, I went through my shift. I went through the entire shift and it went well, the, the rest of the shift went as well as it could be. But what happened next is what really even furthers the problem. So I, I went home that evening and I have, I have a beautiful wife and two children and uh, two young, young children at that time. And um, I remember as I'm walking through the door, and I, again, I had my family right there waiting for me. I remember saying to myself, you know what, Harry, I don't want to tell them about my day. I don't want to burden my wife mm-hmm. with my day. And that, you know, in retrospect, that was a huge red flag. It was a huge red flag for me, but it got even worse. So at, at that time, um, when I'm at home, the, our typical uh, way that we typically uh, work with the kids is, you know, one parent will put one child to bed and the other parent will put the other child to bed. And then whenever they both go to bed, uh, then we, we have our time together. So yeah, I put my little boy to bed and I remember walking down to my office, the office that I'm in right now, and actually Googling the word uh, physician burnout. 
and I'm in this dark office by myself. And I remember saying to myself, my goodness, Harry, my goodness, when you're at the point that you're uh, Googling the word physician burnout, you are already there, sir. You are already there. And that's what really started me on my journey because then I started looking for some resources to help me um, get out of this. And what I found, unfortunately, Kristen, was, was, was sad. I found really no good resources because while yes, there's absolutely a role for conference, there's absolutely a role for these weekend retreats, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But really what I needed at the moment was I needed to find something to get me through the day because I had to go back to work the next day. Right. I didn't find that. And that's when I started my, my blog and my podcast, which is exactly that. I've been crafting you know, resources and tools for physicians and for nurses to help them in that moment, in that situation. And that's what I've been doing for the past several years. I've created some very specific habits and very specific, um, you know, awake rituals and evening rituals that helps me be in charge of my day. And we can talk about them if, if you'd like. Yeah, I guess, especially for my listeners, when it comes to imposter syndrome, I bet you have so many resources. If you could, you know, either from your own experience or those who physicians or nurses that you've worked with, like, what are some of the habits or things that have been the most beneficial? Okay. I, I, so the first thing that I could always, I always uh, tell uh, people that I work with is you have to have um, a ritual, a morning and an evening. And I, and, I, and I almost hate the word morning and evening because sometimes my, the time when I wake up in the morning can be two in the afternoon and the time mm-hmm. I go to bed could be at seven in the morning. Just it's the nature of the business that many of us are in. So I have a, what's called an arise ritual and a sleep ritual. And each of them stands for something, A-R-I-S-E. And that starts with, that, that stands for affirmations, read, inhale, scribble and exercise. So what that means is I start my morning. Again, here's a great morning. I've got a, a day f- uh, full of meetings um, because I'm also the, uh, the medical director of my department too. So I have a clinical role. And I have an administrative role. So this is even more important to have these bookend my day. So I do just some daily affirmations. It takes me just a few minutes. I read, and that has been probably the biggest game changer for me is I've made it a habit now for me to read at least 10 pages in the morning and 10 pages in the evening. And I inhale. And by that, I mean, I do breathing, breathing exercises. And really the tool that I found most useful for me is using the Headspace app without a Mm -hmm. question that has been incredibly useful for me. S for scribble is journaling. Um, If your listeners take one thing from, from our conversation today is get in the habit of journaling get in the habit of journaling. Um, and I know many of us are almost sometimes skittish to, to open a, a journal because they, I think there's a, a, a very weird relationship that we may have with journaling. People feel that you open up a journal, it's going to be uh, dear diary. Today was mm-hmm. a, a great, and it's not that at all. It's not that it's just getting thoughts to paper. And what I always tell the, the, the physicians and the nurses that I work with is if you're afraid of the blank page, there is a great journal that you can get from Amazon called the five minute journal, the five minute journal. It's on Amazon. I think it's like $20, uh, but it gives you the writing prompts. It's only, it takes only uh, as the name suggests, just five minutes, but it gives you three writing prompts in the morning and three writing prompts in the evening and you're done. And it's really amazing the power that a journal has uh, to help you kind of get out of your mind right now and move on. And then the, the, the last one for me has been exercise. That's, that's been a constant for me, but I, have, I make it part of my morning routine because if I don't, it just won't get done. There's always a way 
there's always an excuse not to do it. So for this morning, um, I got up at 4.45. That's, I'm an early bird by nature, but um, I sometimes have to schedule my alarm to get up early because I have to get that workout in. And that is, that's just a quick glimpse of my arise ritual. And my sleep ritual is, is similar. It's, I stretch. I don't look at electronics uh, for the last hour of the day. Breathing exercises, which is e-exhale. Uh, I explore new ideas. And, and by that, I mean... I journal. I journal again. I journal again in the morning and I journal in the evening. And then I, I am um, peer is, is to prepare for the next day. And that is also another great tool that I encourage all of your listeners to do is have a list, your top three things that you have to do the next day. So you open up your day and you know exactly, exactly what your, your three goals are for the day. And when you've succeeded them, then you're done. Everything else is just gravy, but have your, have your schedule done the day before. I love every single one of those things. And I just want to second, I, I talk about journaling a lot because I am also, I love journaling and I resisted it for a long time, a long time for the, every reason you said, like, I just didn't want to do it. It felt like it was onerous. I would take too much time. I didn't know what to write and getting in the habit of just writing down the thoughts in my head just allowing it to not make sense, allowing it to be negative or whatever. Um, has it, It's a tool, like it sounds like, how is that going to help you? But it makes such a big difference. So I definitely second that. And I think the five-minute journal now has an app. I feel like someone had mentioned that to me. So that would be worth mm. looking into as well. If you're, if you're like really opposed to pen and paper, which I personally like, but that's, right. just, that's just another I'm thing very to much mention. Analog. I still prefer the pen and paper. Yeah, I do too. But, I just love the feel of it. You know, it yeah. makes me feel, yeah, I don't know. I just like how it makes me feel. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and again, it's, it's always by my side. If I look just to my right right now, my journal is always beside me. Because again, I think that's, if you mentioned actually a very good point, it's okay to put negative thoughts on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the journal isn't, uh, isn't, shouldn't always be, uh, you know, rainbow and, and sunshine. It, it should be your thoughts on paper because you have to offload some of those thoughts on the paper and you, you just, it just resets your brain. Um, so yeah, I think maybe that's another misconception is, you know, the journal has to be flowery. It doesn't have to be that right. at all. It just has to be your, your, what you're feeling in the moment. Right. And in fact, I'll, you know, honestly, my, when I'm journaling, my, my thoughts are still mostly negative if they're not directed for mm-hmm. sure. And it's, it's very therapeutic for me now that I have this, this separation of, I am not my thoughts. So I can freely write down my thoughts, read them, see that they're negative, and then, and then realize that that's not me. That's my brain doing things that it's going to do. And it doesn't have any, any truth or validation or devalue me in any way. And having that separation and putting the thoughts on paper, seeing that they're negative, and then recognizing that they have nothing to do with me. There's that's that's the path to like freedom of your thoughts. Yeah. And you can then it allows you to not judge yourself because it's not you. It's not it has nothing to do with who you are as a human being. And it also allows you to be in a place of logical thinking and question the thoughts that you write down because likely they're not true and you can very clearly offer actual evidence to prove them wrong and then you get into the work of let's let's choose to, to think some more, more positive thoughts on purpose. Yeah. That's perfectly said. 
That's perfectly said. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think uh, the listeners needed to hear that because I surely needed to hear that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So now, as you like, clearly you still you still are you still work in um, emergency. You have a lot of clinical responsibilities. So, what's made the difference for you now, as far as keeping those hints of burnout at bay? Uh, it's being consistent. I think is a key for me. But I've also changed um, a lot of the way I do things. So as, as an example, um, as, as a director, I'm the director of my department, I've, I've, I've really taken on um, a lot of the habits of leaders, of great leaders, uh, so I can model myself after. And one of them is I, I've learned to, in regards to my work. So for example, if I have a, 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 day, a day worth of administrative work, I've learned to batch rather than multitask. I think that's been a huge thing for me. And by that, I mean, there's this concept of, of deep work where I have just three to four hours of just dedicated time to get through my specific tasks. You know, as a physician, I think we, we think that we're really good at multitasking and emergency mm-hmm. medicine is surely guilty of that because we almost pride ourselves on, oh, we're, we're really great at multitasking. We're actually not. We're actually horrible. Actually, all people are. And that's just not how our brains are wired. So I've learned to, to batch. I've learned not to procrastinate. That's another thing, another thing um, that's been really important for me is um, when there's a thought in my brain uh, that I need to get done, it just gets done. It's, it's, I, sometimes we get in our own way and I really learned not to procrastinate. So when I have a, a, a thought, for example, here's a great example, perfect example that happened to me today. Arm went off, 4.45, and uh, I need to get a workout in. So I could have just said, you know what, I just, I just need just a, just a few more minutes. And that's not me. That's typically not my style. When the alarm goes off, I'm up. But there are some days where I'm a little bit more slower to get up, get out of bed. There's a great concept uh, by, by Mel Robbins. She has written uh, the, the yeah. five second. Yeah. And that's exactly what I do. I don't procrastinate. Five, four, three, two, one. I get up and I'm up. That's what it is. Yeah. And I actually, the other thing that's been really, really important to me is I've gotten rid of some of the inconsequential things. The inconsequential things uh, that I think are consequential, they're actually not. And the final thing that's been really, uh, really, really important to me is I've learned to say no without, without any excuse. No, I can't do that. And I just move on. Um, and it's hard when you're, uh, I, um, when you're new into the world of, of, of admin, you feel that you have to be at every single meeting. You have to be there all the time. But then you learn how to navigate that and you learn how to lead. You learn how to delegate. You learn how to lead a team. And a lot of that is just saying no. And I think we have to give ourselves permission as physicians to just say no, uh, because when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And is that that's something else more important, more important for you? Are you saying no to your family or saying no to your, you know, your children's uh, event, hockey game, whatever it may be, but know that. And we have to give ourselves permission to just say no without an excuse. You know, we're, we're people pleasers by nature, uh, that's just that's just many of us. Uh, that's what drew us into medicine, and we want to make sure everyone is happy at the expense of us. So I've been really really good about saying uh, no without excuses. I love all of those, and I think that there are certainly um, lessons to be learned from you. So I'm going to be sure to leave. Um, all of your, there's a lot of places where people can find you. You have so many good resources. So I'll leave that in the episode um, notes. Thank you so much for your time. I love the, ta- I love the um, like tactical advice. That's really my style. So I appreciate that so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much, Chris. And it was really a good pleasure. Thanks so much, everyone.